This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Georgia has become an important swing state in American politics. It has had a bevy of competitive statewide races in recent years at the presidential, gubernatorial, and Senate level. And on December 6th, the last race of the 2022 campaign will conclude when voting ends on the runoff between Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and Republican candidate Herschel Walker. This campaign has been close. Warnock The pastor at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, that's Martin Luther King Jr.'s old church, won a runoff of a special election in January 2021 to help give Democrats their majority. And Walker, a Heisman Trophy winning football star at the University of Georgia, moved back to the Peach State with the support of former President Donald Trump to run against Warnock. This is the first time the major parties have nominated black men to run against each other in Georgia, and who these two are and where they come from means a lot to the state. With us to discuss this, is our old friend Clyde McGrady, an enterprise reporter at the New York Times and former reporter here at Roll Call, who has deep connections to Georgia. Clyde, it's been too long. Welcome back to Political Theater. Thank you for having me back. It is it is good to be here. Um, so let's let's start with let's start with the Georgia stuff before we get you know just wh- how we got here. Uh, this is like the I think the 900th Georgia runoff Senate election we've had in the last two two years. Um, we had two competitive uh, Senate races in 2020, uh, and and both of them went to runoffs in 2021. John Ossoff and and Raphael Warnock won those runoffs. Uh, the one that Warnock won though uh, was a special election, so it was only good for the the, the remainder of what was Johnny Isaacson's uh, seat. And then Kelly Loeffler was appointed and ran for it, lost to Warnock. Uh, in in January 2021. And so that's why we're having another uh, Senate race, which I'm sure the people of Georgia are thrilled about. Uh, (laughs) Every single commercial on TV uh, has to have been either uh, Warnock or Walker. And it has been competitive. Uh, Warnock got a a few more votes uh, than Walker uh, last month uh, when voting ended on election day. It's hard to say on election day, right? Because election day is not election month. And, and that, because Georgia has this requirement that you have to get 50% plus one uh, in, in order to win a, uh, an, an election, they've gone to a runoff. I think some of the ads, some of the campaign ads before election day were, were Warnock. He like showed up at Thanksgiving dinner and was like, you don't want me here for this, you know, alluding to like, let's just get me over the hump, you know, and preclude a, a runoff. That didn't happen. But that's where we're at. And it has been a heck of a ride. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty funny and self-aware for him to do that because, I mean, they have, if you recall last time in 2020, the runoff lasted, I think, nine weeks. Uh, It concluded January uh, 5th. And, you know, they, Georgia lawmakers shortened the window to four weeks. (laughs) They're just like, we can't put our people through this. (laughs) I mean, I was down there and it really would, the entire commercial break would be, there'd be pro Ossoff ad. Then there'd be David Perdue would run an anti Ossoff ad. Then there'd be a pro Kelly Leffler ad. And then, you know, Warnock would run an anti Leffler. It was, it was, it was crazy. 
And, you know, if I think if Warnock wins this one, this will be the fourth race that he's, he's won. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's more races than I think most senators do in their lifetime. So he will have been battle tested within a two year span if he pulls this off. Absolutely. And and so let's talk about your connections to Georgia. Uh, among them, you're a University of Georgia alumnus, uh, political science, uh, which also happens to be Herschel Walker's <laughs> alma mater. Yeah, I mean... But the family um, family roots go much deeper than that, much more than just college. So Yeah, I mean, you know, fifth, I think, I think five generations is as far back. Um, as I can trace it. And also I'd, I'd used to attend Morehouse college, which is where, <laughs> which is where Warnock, um, uh, <laughs> went to school and yeah, I'm, I'm an, uh, avid, uh, university of Georgia football fan. Um, and now it, it, it is interesting. It's an interesting time for Herschel to be running because I mean, if you follow college football, you know that Georgia is the number one team in the country. They're undefeated this year. They won the national championship last year and so you know it, there's some question as to whether this nostalgia um and just good feelings about georgia football is redounding to uh walker's benefit right now i mean it is it is hard to explain the cultural space that georgia football takes up and that he is the biggest star in georgia football history. And I don't think it's uncontroversial to say that in, in the eighties when Georgia won their first national champion or their, sorry, their second national championship by defeating Notre Dame in the sugar bowl. And then they also, the, the following years they were in championship contention too and, and came up short, but he, you know, Heisman winner, what the most famous college football player, you know, in the country, some say he's the most, you know, the best college football player of all time. I mean, this man is, you know, Georgia and Georgia football. And, you know, he, he came into the race with that basically hundred percent name ID. And he is, he is pretty much riding that despite some, you know, personal, um, personal scan scandals or, you know, stumbles on the stump. So, yeah, and and uh, you know very much embraced the football part of it. I mean, even his his signage, you know, his campaign signs are a, a, they have a football where you know some people have like a, a like a, a horizon or a prairie or a sun. His is a football. It's the top of a f- mm-hmm. football. Um, and again, his his you know college career w- was storied, and then you know he was one of the, he was one of Donald Trump's big splashes. You know, when when yeah. he was a New Jersey general uh, in the USFL, and then he you know he went on to to play for the. Dallas Cowboys and then the Minnesota Vikings when they yeah. en- enabled the Dallas Cowboys to win so many Super Bowls by trading off all their draft picks for yeah, them. Part of one of the most famous trades in <laughs> NFL history when you know they got rid of him and as you said sent him to Minnesota and got all the draft picks that would form the core of the the '90s Dallas Cowboys dynasty. So one of the things that I've noticed, and you know, you you and I have have sort of long bonded. Because, again, a lot of people who live in Washington, who work in Washington, particularly live in Washington politics, they're not all from here, from D.C. It's a it's a city of a lot of transplants, uh, particularly in in the media world and politics and so forth. But you and I have have we we were from really from away, right? You're you're, you're from Georgia, you're from the South, you know, uh, and I, I'm from Arizona, mm-hmm. and you know, with with all of the weird 
eccentricities of the political systems <laughs> there, you know, people, um, you know, there, there are, it, it's a, there's a lot of history. Um, it reminds me of a line in the movie Big Night when somebody says like, oh, Italy, so much history. And Stanley Tucci says, in Italy, there is nothing but history. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, we, we, we have brought that, I think, uh, and, and bonded over the years, you know, in, in, in our, you know, you know, working together on just, there are things that people don't get sometimes in, in politics who, who work here. And one of the things that I've heard over and over and over again is, why is this race so close? How could people support Herschel Walker? You know, that there's, you know, that there's a history that he has, he has talked about in his own autobiography of mental illness and of threatening, you know, his wife, he came to light, you know, or some reporting that he had paid for a girlfriend to have an abortion. So the, the, when people have said, how can it be this close? I, to me, I'm like, are you kidding? I mean, like the, these, these two men <laughs> represent two big religions, you know, big t- cultural touchstones, particularly in Georgia. One on one hand, the, the black church uh, with, with, you know, Warnock. And on the other hand, college football with Herschel Walker. To me, it's not a surprise, but let's talk about why, you know, you, you've hinted at it with, with, you know, with Walker, but that, that, most people just don't think in politics the same way we do, right? Right. I mean, again, it is it is really hard to overstate just how famous he has been for so long um, since the '80s. Even as like a as a high schooler, as like one of the top recruits in the country, people knew. Like my mom knew about Herschel Walker when you know she was in high school you just have to say herschel you no, don't even say no. walker really <laughs> who was just absolutely dominating high school football so i mean there is that there's just fame also you know from a, i guess a political science perspective there's just partisanship right he's a republican and i know yes georgia pulled off one of the biggest political <laughs> miracles in 2020 by sitting you know to two Democrats, uh, one a black pastor and one uh, a young Jewish millennial to the Senate. But Georgia still, I think, tilts a little farther red than, you know, a lot of people, you know, may realize. And there are a lot of extenuating circumstances. You had Donald Trump, you know, going around basically telling his voters that, you know, the election is rigged and kind of making it all about him and, depressing turnout. And that's not to take away anything from the the organizing that Stacey Abrams did and the campaigns that that Ossoff and Warnock ran respectively, but Trump played a, a, a huge factor in their victories. And so I think there are structural advantages that Herschel already has. Um, and, and, and a lot of people are willing to look past that a lot of voters you know they may say well that's in his past right you know because who doesn't have a past it's like especially especially people you know in the south they're vividly aware of the past because it's still there like Falcon said it's never past it's still here yeah and it's like a two-prong it's like well i don't believe it and even if he did it was his past but a lot of people are motivated by fear of the other side having power um now that's not to say that Everybody, because obviously Brian Kemp ran many percent. I think it was five percentage points ahead of Herschel Walker. He beat, you know, Democrat Stacey Abrams um, in the governor's race pretty handily. And, you know, Herschel Walker 
you know, ran, ran pretty far behind him. And so there are some people that it's just, I guess, a bridge too far for them. Um, but yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it does come down to partisanship. And also, you know, the Senate is not the same as the governor's mansion, right? Where, you know, people tend to value someone where the buck kind of stops with you when you're a governor, right? You're an executive. You're the one making these executive decisions. And so, you know, maybe you do need to be a little bit more articulate and, and, and inspire more confidence in your ability to, you know, lead. Whereas, you know, Herschel and, you know, not to impugn his intelligence or anything like that, but he does kind of stumble on the stump, right? He, he can tell these, long rambling stories that, you know, may not have like a definite punchline and <laughs> that's a charitable way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> some curious statements. Right. But he's going to the Senate. Right. And I think the Senate for a lot of people is just this far away thing in Washington that's completely disconnected from their everyday lives. And what do they, you know, people just vote for things. And if he's a Republican, he's going to vote like a Republican and that's what I care about. And I think that's the that's a perspective that a, a, a lot of Republican voters have. Um, and so, you know, you're right. People do that. Like, how could it be that close? Isn't it obvious that Warnock is more polished and put together? But it, it it's not that simple. And frankly, to some people, I think the fact that Herschel does not sound polished, they see that as like a plus, like, you know, I know people like Herschel. There are people in my family who talk like Herschel. I'm kind of like her. You know, I think a lot of people say that. So, you know, I think that that's why it's close. And on the other side, you know, I mean, Raphael Warnock, he's he's been in Washington for a couple of years now. Um, he's he's yeah. run a pretty solid race. He's he and Mark Kelly really should probably be thought of as like treasury secretaries with the amount of money that they can bring in <laughs> uh, to to campaign coffers. I mean, you know, Warnock in particular just demonstrated this ability to raise money from a variety of sources just in prodigious amounts. He's, he has, you know, I think three times as much money on hand as as Walker has been able to organize. I think the number is he has, he's got, you know, 900 paid, you know, uh, staffers, you know, working the campaigns. I mean, it is, it's this huge organizational, you know, advantage. Um, but he also, he, he came into this with his own constituency as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, I mean, the Ebenezer Baptist church is about as close to hallowed ground as you can get, uh, in, in Atlanta, as you know, we mentioned, it was the, it was Martin Luther King Jr.'s church. This mm-hmm. is where John Lewis's funeral services were. Um, I mean, this is, this is a guy who comes in with his own constituency and, and how, what a, another sort of com- it's not even a competing pillar because a lot of people go to church and watch college football, right? They, they thank God that college football, that maybe this is the reason college football is on Saturday, not Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that, that, but he, he's been able to, you know, really tap into the sort of some of the goodwill, but also attract people who aren't just, you mm-hmm. know, wouldn't, wouldn't just follow a, a, a famous pastor. Talk about his, connection to the community and why the black church has such a place, particularly in Atlanta. I mean, I, I actually yeah. did not know that you had attended Morehouse also. So it's even yeah, better. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just to, uh, you know, back up a little bit, um, I've, I've found Warnock's rise pretty fascinating because 
you're right. I think he, he, I can't remember the exact year that he, he took over the pastorship at, at Ebenezer, but I mean, Martin Luther King day, his, it has become like a, a, a destination. Ebenezer, the pulpit at Ebenezer has become like a destination for, for some politicians. You know, Johnny Isaacson would famously go there. The man who Warnock succeeded um, in the Senate would go there on, on MLK Day and, and speak from the pulpit. Um, and it does hold this very, um, you know, central space in, in black culture and in black religion and, and black politics. But when Warnock jumped into the race, it wasn't like a big splash. I mean, if you remember at the time, you know, it was, it was Doug Collins, former representative from Georgia, Doug Collins, and, you know, a staunch Trump defender and Kelly Leffler. Those were seen as the two biggest and they were the ones duking it out. And it wasn't until the WNBA Atlanta dream the team that Kelly Leffler co-owned at the time, you know, they, they kind of got fed up with her political statements and some of the stances that she was taking. And they put on these like, you know, vote for Warnock shirts. And then he, his popularity kind of went through the roof during, during 2020. But um, to fast forward to now, I mean, yes. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr., arguably the most important black American of the, of the 20th century, you know, there's the famous, um, you know, portraits above like, you know, black homes, JFK, RFK and MLK, right. Are seen as kind of the, the, the stalwarts of, of civil rights. Right. And so by Warnock embracing that mantle, I mean, that is a heavy legacy and an important legacy to take over. And I, I think he has benefited from that. Even if you aren't religious, I mean, you probably revere Martin Luther King, right? I mean, you, you, you don't get more, you know, consequential than Martin Luther King. And so him pastoring that church, you know, I, I think has been a great benefit to him, even though, you know, Walker has tried to, you know, attack him as a, as a slick preacher, you know, I mean, there is a kind of trope, you know, in the South about, you know, the, 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 the slick talking preacher who is not to be trusted, but I don't know how well. Just talks too pretty, you know, know, he's very polished. He has the right things to say. And I think, you know, Herschel has said, this man is supposed to be about grace. And yet he is, you know, attacking me for the things I've done um, in my past. I don't, I don't know how well that has worked, but it's something that he has tried. And, you know, in 2020 Leffler attacked him as radical liberal Raphael Warnock and used, you know, there's hours and hours and hours of, uh, of tape on his sermons and, you know, kind of clipping them and taking them out of context of these seemingly very radical statements that he's, that we, that he made, but really we're not that far out of the sort of, um, you know, black religious. Truth. Or maybe, or maybe he was just quoting Jesus. Yeah. You know, the ultimate <laughs> radical. Yeah. I, mean, I think the most famous one is when you said you can't serve God in the military, you can't serve God in money. And yeah, he was just, he was kind of quoting the gospel <laughs> and it was like Raphael Warnock disrespects our troops. And, you know, it, it, 
it didn't. Re- it obviously like didn't work well enough to get Leffler reelected. But I think a lot of black people, especially black churchgoers, um, were very offended by that and took it personally as an attack on their faith tradition. I mean, you go back to the civil rights movement. It was a black church that was where the you know the meetings would 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 take place about as they plotted their next move in, in these you know campaigns whether it was Birmingham or Atlanta or Albany that is where people would meet that is where all the activist energy was um, and the leaders you know Martin Luther King uh, uh, Joseph Lowry um, you know Ralph David Abernathy these were the male leaders of, of, of the movement anyway, um, tended to be, tended to be pastors and that, you know, it, it, church attendance is not what it was. And, you know, the black church doesn't have the same power as it did in, in that era, but I mean, it, it still holds this cultural weight and cultural significance for, for a lot of black people. And one thing that I, I I feel like you know the it it feels sudden that Georgia has become not a state that you could take for granted, right? I mean, it was for you know the longest time that just elected Democrats because Democrats were the sort of legacy party there. Mm-hmm. And then in the eighties and nineties, you started to see a shift towards the Republican Party. The politics were always basically the same. You know, there there were there were always a, a right leaning politics. And then I feel like in two thousand eight and in two thousand twelve. You started to see the margins lower a little bit, in the, at least in the presidential vote, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're we're you know, Stacey Abrams gets within you know a hair, you know, in twenty eighteen, you know, Ossoff and Warnock win, Biden wins. Has what's it been like to see that transformation as somebody who was a political science student when this yeah. was happening? I mean. You're right. There's always been a strain of conservatism, even if, you know, most people were, were Democrats, right? Like Johnny Isaacson, who I mentioned earlier, who um, who was a senator, Republican senator from Georgia. Um, you know, he, he was one of the few back in the 70s, right? One of the few Republicans. I think there are only a handful of them. But, you know, in the 90s, you have the Gingrich Revolution, New Gingrich, who represented Cobb County, which is now Blue County, which is just crazy to think about, like the 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 congressman that came out of there, Newt Gingrich and and Tom Price, and now it's like a Blue County. But anyway, um, yeah, the, you have the the Republican Revolution, um, you know, in the South. Uh, I think the last governor was Roy Barnes, mm-hmm. uh, who got elected. In 1998, and he lost. And he was he was going to be president. I remember. I remember when he got elected in 1998. People were already starting to talk about like, oh, he's you know he's he's going to run for president. No. Well, <laughs> he he upset a lot of people, including teachers, who mm-hmm. you know it's kind of his base. But anyway, we don't have to get into the uh, his his political mistakes. But and then Sonny Perdue, who would later become you know agriculture secretary, he became governor and. Um, you know, Nathan Deal followed him, an ex-Democrat who switched parties, become a Republican. So, yeah, it's been dominated by Republicans. But I would say the first warning shot that I know, like that, you know, maybe something was up was 2008 
when uh, Republican Saxby Chambliss got forced into a runoff by Jim Martin, who <laughs> no one re- was really checking for. Uh, and all of a sudden it, it's going to a runoff. And I just remember a, like a rally where, you know, young Jeezy and T.I. and Ludacris came out to stump for Jim Martin. Um, You're like, what is happening? <laughs> was enough. And I mean, he he got destroyed in, in the runoff. But I mean, he put a scare into Saxby Chambliss and some Republicans. And then obviously the rise of, uh, of um, Stacey Abrams and her her organizing talent and just the ability to make voting such a central issue, um, you know, really laid the groundwork for what's happening in Georgia right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I recall that our first um, podcast uh, together on, on this show many moons ago, uh, we were talking about um, Roseanne, the, the rebooted Roseanne show and Atlanta and how they reflected so much about, working class people that that a, a lot of folks just di- didn't see that portrayal in pop culture a mm-hmm. lot. And I was thinking about this, I mean, you know, again, we've sort of framed it in terms of like college football or, and, and the black church, but I, I would also, I would just say that, you know, being again, a sort of a culture, you know, nerd that if, you know, it, Georgia to understand Georgia, it, it is you. You do need to understand on one hand Atlanta, and then you also need to understand the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not just because Cooter became a congressman, uh, uh, Ben Jones, uh, but again, he's another one of those conservative Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, it and seeing these sort of, you know, just sort of cultural tales, you know, like uh, over the over the you know the the tailwinds come in. It's just to me, it's it's fascinating and. And one keeps our job interesting because it's like it can change, you know, like quickly. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you bring up Atlanta because the series just concluded uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and yeah, it, 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 Atlanta also just, you know, culturally and symbolically just plays such a huge role in like black American life, it's, it's seen as this place where black people can come to thrive. And there is um, just a solid middle class there. And you have the Atlanta university um, center, like we mentioned earlier, like Morehouse, Spelman, um, Clark Atlanta, these colleges that produce all these black leaders. And it, it, it really is, you know, seen, seen as a place where, um, where, where black people can thrive and, and aspire to things. And, um, you know, in, in, I know Herschel's not from Atlanta, but in their own ways, these two do represent the, the past for black aspiration, I think for, for a lot of black men. So you, uh, you mentioned to me off, off mic that you're, uh, you're working on a story. Uh, do you want to, you want to preview it a little bit, uh, for, for that? Um, no, I, I didn't really preview it, but I will say, I mean, it, it is a story that just explores how, you know, uh, how voters are, are, are thinking about, you know, Warnock and, and, and Herschel and, um, how, how their identities are like playing out. In, in the race. Uh, I can say that much. Excellent. Well, 
Um, I, I would encourage everybody to keep uh, keep an eye on, out for that story for, uh, that'll be on the New York Times. I'm guessing sometime, mm-hmm. sometime soon. We got we got the election coming up. <laughs> this is what, what you're witnessing is an editor reporter uh, <laughs> interaction, uh, listeners. It, it, it plays out multiple times a day in in our lives. Um, but uh, Clyde, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm I'm definitely the we, we have so much to go on, you know, with, uh, with with the work that you did at Roll Call too. That in the show notes for this episode, uh, you know, I've got some of the uh, stories you did for us, you know, in, including an appreciation for Johnny Isaacson after, uh, you know, when when he called it quits uh, and uh, and had to re- re- you know resign early, precipitating the the Luffler, uh Elevation to the Senate, and then this all, this series of special elections and elections, um, as well as uh, uh, there is one story about uh, his his barbecue, uh, the way that yeah. he brought people together on barbecue. So, uh, everybody who's listening to this, check out the show notes for some of Clyde's uh, greatest hits from Roll Call, and of course, follow him uh, on on social media because uh, his he just does great work. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And. Clyde, thanks again. Uh, I will be uh, I, again, like like the rest of the political world. I'm, you know, really, I'm really looking forward to this ra- <laughs> this campaign season being over. But this is quite a banger to go out on. So uh, it's 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 a good race, and the reason we we do our jobs. But and thank you for shining a light on it. Yeah, it, this race really is the encore. <laughs> it's season. They came back out. The crowd wouldn't stop clapping, so they had to come back out and play Freebird. I guess. <laughs> All right. And thank you out there for listening to political theater. Uh, Make sure that you follow us, rate us, do all that stuff you're supposed to do for podcasts uh, that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Subscribe to our newsletter and check out Roll Call on rollcall.com. Thanks again, everybody. 